Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz keyboardist Robert Walter of the Grey Boy All-Stars. We talked in early August 2020 about the new CD they have coming out, Como de All-Stars, and this odd new COVID-19 world. Robert is well-versed in soul jazz on the Hammond B3 and Fender Rhodes, and he's a founding member of this outfit. He talked about his career, the group, what's going on these days, what might be next, and so much more. It's a great story. Enjoy. Hey, thanks for taking a minute out. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, of course. I love the music. Um, in fact, we uh, just because of the pandemic, we, we got a pool in our backyard, and it's been the perfect soundtrack to be outside in the oh, water. Yeah. <laughs> it was, this goes without saying, we're obviously in the middle of, of quite, a, quite a thing here in the world. And you have an album that's new now that's coming out during a pandemic. Before we actually get into the artistic construction of this particular project, Talk to me about any ambivalence, any thoughts about releasing this during such a crazy period on the planet. Well, you know, we we had this, um, we had the record prepared before any of this happened, and we had been waiting really for a time where everyone could tour at the same time, and you know, trying to plan the release that way. And you know, we were listening to the the mix, and you know, I think you know everybody in the group kind of thought at the same time, you know, why don't we just put this out now? It seems to be music that, that makes sense at this moment. It offers some levity. It feels good. It's like fun to listen to. And rather than wait for a whole other year to put it out when we can tour on it, we thought, well, you know, let's, let's do this. It's sort of an untraditional model because usually you want to you want to tour to support your album. But I just thought that the music made sense for right now. We, we didn't want to delay it any longer. That's why we put it out when we did. But isn't there a set, I mean, like, the whole thing about this pandemic is that if we didn't have the arts, between music, visual arts, movies, and TV, these times would have been way darker than they are now. So, you know, when we talk about essential frontline workers, I'm not taking anything away from first responders and all that, but, man, artists need some kind of credence paid to them for, for doing what they've done during this time. Sure. I mean, I've been, I've been, I have a big record collection, and that's been getting me through, um, through this in a lot of ways. And you know, watching old films and all, all these things, but you know, you start to realize what an important part of your life they are. And then the absence of live music is making this that even more than, you know, I, I take it for granted sometimes because, because I'm touring all the time and going all these places. But um, I, uh, it's definitely been a strange year, just missing that. So the one thing that's great about you guys is that you have probably one of the more unique sounds in, 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 in this entire genre, so to speak. And just in general, you have a great melding of different um, uh, of different feelings that go into your music. A little bit about your beginnings. Where were you born and raised, and how did you get you know pulled into this music world? I am. Um, I grew up in San Diego, California. I guess that's true of all the guys in Great Wall Stars, except for Carl, who grew up just just a little bit north in Santa Ana, California. So we're all like Southern California kids. And I, my parents were, were like hippies into the Grateful Dead. So I grew up around music. My dad was a musician, actually. And we had a lot of albums. But, um, you know, it was a lot of like psychedelic rock music and sort of that, that 60s stuff. My mom was really into Bob Dylan. So I, I grew up loving all this music. My dad did have a couple of interesting records that were sort of outside that. He had a had a Ramsey Lewis record. He had a One Meters record. He had Herbie Hancock's Thrust, and these things. Um, for some reason, I was just drawn to them. And as I got older, 
I got became more interested in black American music and funk music and jazz and rhythm and blues and all of that. So that that sort of like um, became a fascination. And by the time we Grab Boy All Stars started, you know, it was the group was started sort of um, around um, a, the DJ culture. And we got we got into collecting these records, and we just had discovered all this great like funky jazz records, basically from the late sixties and early seventies, and that became a big influence. So, how did the name come about? I always forget to ask these very on the surface questions, but how did the name of the group come about? So the the group is actually named well. It's, it's a little complicated. There's a DJ in in San Diego, DJ Grayboy, who the band was formed originally to play a record release party for his album. You know, Carl Denson, our saxophone player, is on that album, but the rest of the group um, was not. It was it's more, it was like a, a melding of hip-hop and jazz. So he would make beats, and then people would play improvised solos over him. That's the album, Freestyling. And the group was formed just as a one, we were supposed to play one his release party. He's like, instead of just DJing and like a, have a band play these tunes and then maybe play some covers I picked. So the whole band was just formed for that one gig and it was called Grey Boy, the Grey Boy All-Stars. We had so much fun, even at the rehearsal before the gig, but then at that first show that we, we thought maybe we'll keep doing it and it kind of just snowballed from there and had its own momentum. So, um, and then DJ Grey Boy did produce our first couple of records and, um, he came back and worked with us on what happened to television. We're still friends with him. We're still in interaction. But um, so that's, that's where the name came from. Very cool. So what year did you guys get together? Um, the end of 93. Okay. So you guys have been around a lot. It's been, yeah, so, like 26 years or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Well, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of a product of that whole 90s thing. I mean, I'm, I'm up there in my 40s. So when I think about the 90s, I'm like, yeah, that wasn't long ago. And then I kind of realized it was a lot, a lot longer than I thought. I've been realizing that a lot of the people, a lot of my musical heroes, like Fred Westley, who played on our first album, and like the guys from the Meters, when I met them in my early 20s, they were about my age now. <laughs> so like, wow. now I've become the, the, the older generation. And when I was a kid, I looked up to those guys, like, oh my gosh, they've been doing this for so long and they're so great at it. So. You just kind of time time keeps moving, you know. Yeah. Well, it's weird. I was I was in a gas station yesterday, and we were talking about. I was talking to someone about the pandemic or whatever, and she just kind of stopped and said, "You know, when we were kids, they said we we wouldn't even live this long." <laughs> and I was like, "You know what? They they kind of right. did. I mean, we we're really kind of borrowed time as humanity right now. I don't want to be focused on COVID, but I think it's an interesting tapestry just because it's timely." And and my question is, you know, there was that moment on in 9-11 when everybody was like, oh, I know exactly where I was at when that airplane hit the tower. Now we're going to have this new dialogue that's going to rotate around early to mid-March. Like, when is a band, did you guys start seeing these dominoes fall and you guys were like, oh, man, this is not good. We're going and shut down. When did that all that begin? We were actually on a little mini tour. Like, it was like a, really a long weekend up in the Bay Area. And there had been talk already about this going around and was it, you know, this is long before things shut down, but there was some thought of, you know, 
how safe are these gigs? Are, are you know, are, you know, should we be careful about you know being in small spaces, even with each other? You know, we are, we'd all been traveling a lot, so so that's when we first started thinking about it, and no one knew it would become what it is now. But we were together as a band when that that started being discussed. So what is it about you guys? It, it's very obvious, and I've listened to a lot of your music. It's very obvious that you all are not only having a conversation, but you're having side conversations that come together and cajole very well together. What is it about you guys as artists and creators and as a unit that works so well that makes this music just sound right sonically? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we really we come from different fairly different backgrounds. I mean, we all, there's one thing we all have in common, and that's a love for this, this sort of genre, even the sort of a larger thing of, I don't know what you would call it, but, you know, that, that intersection between improvised music and, and danceable music, um, and really sort of a set of records from the late 60s and early 70s that we, we particularly love a bunch of that prestige and blue note, um, mainly organ records recorded by Rudy Van Gelder, um, where they were using rhythms from funk music and, and popular soul songs, but they were great improvisers too, so they, they blended that. That along with the meters, James Brown, Curtis Mayfield, all of that, that sort of movement. Um, but other than that, we had all had different influences. I think there's something interesting about it. It's kind of like a bunch of different takes upon that music. So there's enough are bringing enough of their own flavor to it to keep it interesting. It's not just a purist, you know, imitative thing. It's more like everybody's take on this thing. You know, our guitar player is a great songwriter, and I was more interested in New Orleans funk music, and Carl was more of a jazz musician. And so it's, it's all these things sort of bring something to it. And it was from the first time we played, like we walked into the rehearsal place, started to play the first song, there was something about it where we were all laughing, and, and it just connected in some way. There's some kind of great, you know, chemistry. Some of that stuff I think is just magical. Like it's in the ether. Who knows why it works? But there's some combinations of people that just have a thing. And and this one did from the beginning, and it kind of still stays there. Like it's um it always surprises me. You know, this band doesn't work that often. So we'll lay off for a year sometimes, and they come back together. It takes like two shows, and then the, it starts gelling again. The one thing about this absence of live music, you know, I'm not a performer, so I, 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 I can't understand the pangs. I mean, I, I, I think there's a part of this from an economic standpoint and just the logistics that there's a lot of people out there that are just in, in, a, in a world of not knowing where this is all going to pick up. But on a more logistical standpoint, you know, you've had months off and there's months ahead. Are there any live moments, any magic moments, any tour moments, anything that you remember that's really keeping you positive and keeping you going right now that you've experienced on stage with this band? I mean, I honestly, since this thing tends to, you know, it's problematic scheduling wise and things like that, but there's not, the, the music always works. And I, I just think about those last gigs. I mean, those were the last gigs I played before all of this. And I liked that the recent ones were great too. So I, I sort of just think about like that last moment, you know, and it, and I know it's still there when we come back because this one always works. You know what I mean? So for you yourself, what do you like the best about being a musician? Well, one of the things that we're missing now is I love the travel of it and that you go you're in different places every day and 
you can interact with different people and you get to check out the town and the food and the culture and different, you know, different parts of the country. I always enjoyed that. And I like being in an improvising group because every night's sort of an adventure and you can discover something about yourself. You can push it in different directions. It's, um, I couldn't, I don't think I would enjoy being in a, working as a musician where you play the same set list every night the same way, um, like in a pop group kind of sense. I, um, there's some satisfaction in just doing that really, you know, real tight and really together. But I, I feel like I want to walk away from each night having learned something. So um, I like the explore, exploratory nature of, like, you know, bands that improvise. What was the first live jazz show you ever saw that made you think, man, this is something I'd like to do with my life? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of like a jazz performance. I thought Tony Williams played when I was really young um, and enjoyed that, and I could tell that they were stretching and that it was different. I used to go see a lot of blues things. Like I used to go see Stevie Ray Vaughan and the Trevor Thunderbirds back in the day, um, who are not jazz artists by any means, but they were improvising. You could tell that the when they passed around solos, it wasn't the same thing every night. Things, interesting things were happening. I probably got some of this from my, my parents and their, you know, love of like sort of psychedelic music and that that was changing every night. So, um, you know, and jazz per se has not always been my biggest influence, although it is part of the, the mix of things. I always like where jazz intersects with the other music. I like, you know, I don't even like to think about it as one genre or another. It's sort of a greater thing of American music and what we're doing here. You know, I always loved the meters, and I used to go see the Neville Brothers back in the day. I always loved that. So, um, you know, things like that. So if you could get into a time machine with the band, and you guys could go back and, and see a band and maybe hang out afterwards and talk to them, or a performer, who do you think that would be? Well, I would probably see James Brown back in the, in the day, like, um, you know, early 70s. I don't know that I'd want to hang out with James. I think he was a, <laughs> a difficult person by, by a lot of uh, accounts. I would probably like to meet Curtis Mayfield, you know, because he's just always had such a heavy, like, spiritual vibe to me and seems like a kind and thoughtful person, and he's a big inspiration. You all come to Kansas City and play after this pandemic's over. What? And you kind of have to write up a notice or kind of give some kind of heads up as to what kind of show you perform live. You're coming here to present this album. What's the show going to be like for you guys live? Well, when, you know, we, we change the set list every night, and it all depends on what we're doing. We do, if we're out promoting an album, we usually favor some of that music and, of course, play some new stuff. But some nights, if we're tired enough of it, we don't exactly do that. There's a sort of a larger body of work. It's music from all of our albums, music by artists that have influenced us, things that we just like to play. So, so the set lists are highly varied, and we could go for, we could probably play for, you know, a lot of a week and not really repeat stuff. So, um, and then within that, all the tunes are interpreted in different ways. So it's really a, a thing that kind of happens at the moment. Um, it is all funky, and it's all improvisational. So those are the things that, that keep it going. Um, but yeah, the set list are, you know, it's a, it's a variety of music and it's usually a mixture of some classic things that we're influenced by and our own team. So, you know, everyone that's probably seen you live or, or has been fans for all these years know you all and, 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 and this 
idea of you guys being this band and this outfit. What do you think that fans probably don't realize about you guys, something that you guys are and what you embody, and maybe people just don't know that about you? I'm not, I'm not sure how people perceive it. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting thing that we, we sort of, we don't work all the time, and we're all doing different things, but we're also all, all working together in different ways all the time. So the thing is, it's part of the idea of the Grey Boy All-Stars is there was going to be a record label, Grayboy Records, and we were kind of modeling it after those old jazz records, where like on Prestige Records, you hear a record by Velvet Sparks, and Rusty Bryan might play on it, or Leon Spencer might play on it, and then you listen to the other guy's album, the other guys were still, so it's like a, a larger collective of people, and different people were coming out as leaders, and it's really like an all-star group. That was sort of, a, it was sort of tongue-in-cheek at the time, because no one had heard of any of us. <laughs> we were all stars, but as we've grown, I think it's become that because everyone started their own careers and everyone does solo things and works in different arenas. And then we come together, and there's all this stuff to always feed the feed the creativity because we we come together with different experiences. It's not like you know the five of us in a band and all, together all the time that we've seen all the same things. I think it, it enriches the music because we have these varied experiences. Hey, man, thank you for taking some time to open up about the band today. Good luck with the album. Stay safe out there. Okay, I appreciate it. Thanks. Great talking to you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Robert for his time, music, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.